Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, as, as John chapter 11, here's the problem with the story I want to share with you this morning. It takes up over a chapter of Scripture. It actually, it actually goes over into chapter 12, and so we're not going to read all of that. I kind of want to set the table for you. And here's how it kind of begins our resurrection story this morning. Uh, that Jesus is out ministering uh, east of the Jordan River. And uh, he's healing people, and he's teaching people, he's doing great things, right? And, uh, and he gets news. While he's there, and he receives news while he's there that somebody that he cares about deeply, somebody that he loves, is sick. And not only are they sick, guys, they're dying. And this man that, that is dying, his name is Lazarus. He's, again, one of Jesus' good friends. Uh, Jesus spent a lot of time at the home of Lazarus and his two sisters, uh, Mary and Martha. Mary is the one that's going to anoint Jesus' feet with perfume, uh, right? Uh, Martha is the one that is trying to prepare the feast for Jesus, and she's running around like a crazy person, and she's yelling at Jesus, right? Would you tell my sister to help me? And, uh, and, and Jesus like says, Martha, Martha, now your sister's chosen what's better. Come sit down and be with me, right? And so uh, we have all these great interactions with Jesus and, and this family. And so this is somebody that he dearly loves. And the Bible says this is interesting. Well, he's east of the Jordan, uh, that he hears that this is going on, and he waits for two more days because he loves them, it says. Because he loves them, he waits for two more days. And then he says to his disciples, hey, our brother Lazarus has fallen asleep, um, but I'm going to go wake him up. But I'm going to go wake him up. Now, they realize Bethany's just, just, just like a couple miles from Jerusalem, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are trying to kill Jesus at this point in his ministry. So they're like, no, Lord, don't go. Uh, but they also don't get what he said. So they're like, well, well it's good if he sleeps. He's going to recover. And so, so this is where our story begins uh, here in uh, verse 14. So Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus has died. <laughs> and I'm glad for you. Now notice that's important. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. So uh, that's where our story begins. So uh, Jesus then heads, heads to Bethany. And when he arrives in town, he immediately... Uh, he, he, now, by, by the time he gets there, by the way, the text says that Lazarus has been dead for four days. He's been dead for four days. So upon entering the town, uh, this, this person he loved, he's been dead for four days, and he immediately comes into contact with uh, Lazarus's sister, uh, Martha. And, and here is that exchange, John eleven twenty one 21 uh, through 27. It says, Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died, yet even now I, I know that whatever you ask from God will uh, give to you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again uh, in the, the resurrection at, at the last day. But the story continues, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. So, so that's Jesus' first conversation. So uh, this friend that he loves has died, has been dead for four days. He comes into town. He, he, he runs into Martha. Martha actually runs out to him, and he says, you know, like, hey, uh, I'm here. She's like, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And he's like, hey, it's okay. I'm the resurrection and the life. Now, then he, he, he comes a little further, and Mary comes to him. And, and he has a, a heartfelt conversation with Mary. He's so moved, the Bible says, that he actually weeps. Jesus cries. He weeps. And then, a, a, again being deeply moved, he says, Mary, take me to the tomb where you've laid him. And that's where our story picks up. So, um, 
John eleven thirty eight through 44, it says, Then Jesus, deeply moved, again came to the tomb. It was a cave, uh, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there's already a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Uh, so they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe that you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Which is pretty cool. It says, the dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen stripped over her mouth, face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to him, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. So uh, that's our resurrection story today. It is absolutely one of my favorite resurrection accounts in all of the Bible. Uh, I, I love teaching this story. And so I hope I don't teach something that uh, I've taught you necessarily before exactly the same way. But, but the question for us in this series, Resurrection Stories, is what can we learn? from these resurrection stories, right? What can we learn? And there's a hidden premise to this whole series that I will tell you the Sunday after Easter. Okay? You guys follow me? I'll tell you the Sunday after Easter. So you've got to come back next week. You've got to come back the week after that. But there's a, there's a reason we're doing this whole series. And so uh, what can we learn from these resurrection stories? Two things, I think. And here's the first thing that's really important. I, I, I think this story teaches us that we often underestimate the power of of Jesus' presence in the here and now. Let me say that again. I think this story teaches us that we often underestimate the power of Jesus' presence in the here and now. And I, I just want to point out how both of, of, of the, the sisters respond to Jesus, right? So first is, is Martha uh, says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's John eleven twenty one, And then in John eleven thirty two, it says, as soon as Mary comes to where Jesus was and saw him, fell at his feet, told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Like, it, it's verbatim. If you, if, if you had been here, then my, my brother would So they seem to get something about the presence of Jesus, but then they're going to completely miss something about the presence of Jesus. And I think that is the paradox of the Christian faith. Right? Because I, I think that, that explains all. We always seem to get a little bit of it, but we, we don't get the, the, the big picture of it. And so like they, they, they understand that, that Jesus' presence could have changed something, but yet Jesus is here, and they don't understand that He could change something. Right? You guys following me? I, 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 just, I, I think it's so important that we, we point this out. And, and so, so then Jesus has this conversation with Martha. Right? We read through that exchange. Um, where, where, listen, uh, Martha is, is, is going, hey, Lord, if you had been here, then he wouldn't have died. And, and what Jesus is going to do, he's going to respond to Martha, and, and, and in doing so, he's going to teach her a lesson. So he's teaching Martha a lesson, but he's also teaching his disciples a lesson. Remember, he said, it's for your sake that I waited. And that means that he's trying to teach us a lesson, too. And so what is the lesson that Jesus wants to teach us? Because Martha's response I think is, is dead on for what most Christians would respond, right? I mean, I mean he, he says, don't you believe that your brother will, will rise again? Don't you believe in the resurrection? And she responds, yes, Lord. I believe that he will rise again one day. One day, like someday, one day in the future. I, be, I believe that wholeheartedly. And then Jesus says, no, 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 you misunderstand me. In John eleven twenty five, 25, it says, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Notice that language. He says, I am 
the resurrection and life. He doesn't say, I will be the resurrection and the life. You live that way? Like Jesus will be the resurrection and life someday. He didn't say, I will be. He says, man, I, I am. It, it's not one day. Jesus, like Mary, Martha's response is like, yes, Jesus, I, I believe that one day, like on that day, then, then the resurrection will happen. Then your power will be seen. Then your glory will be made known. And Jesus is like, no, I want to teach you something. Now the disciples are there. And, and remember, we already know that he's flat out said to the disciples, what is about to happen is for your sake. We're called disciples, by the way, so this is for our sake. Jesus is going, I need to show you guys something. Dude, it's not just about one day. It's not I will be the resurrection and life. Jesus says, I am. Not one day, today. Today. And guys, I, I, I say that to you because I think, I believe, I know in my life, and so I have to believe it, it affects your life too. I think so often we trust Jesus for heaven, Right? We trust him for, for eternity. We trust him for the big things. But man, we struggle to trust him in the here and the now. And Jesus says to those kind of people, not I will be. He says, I am. I am. Right? That's a big lesson. That's a big lesson. So that's the first thing I think we, we take away from this story. Second thing I believe we take away from this story is this, that Jesus doesn't bring us back to life for us to remain disabled. Right? Jesus doesn't bring us back to life for us to remain disabled. And so uh, I want to go back and I'm going to look at the story again with you. We're going to kind of pick up and, and read uh, this story of resurrection. Only this time I've, I've made just a little different. I, I haven't changed any of the text. I've just highlighted it because I want to make some things stand out to you. Okay, So, so let's read this again. John 11, 41 through uh, 44, it says, uh, so they removed the stone, and then Jesus raised his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe that you sent me. And then, and then starting in verse 43, it says, after he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now get this, it says, the dead man came out, bound, hand and foot, with linen strips, uh, and, and, and with his face, wrapped in a cloth, and Jesus says to them, he has to say this, unwrap him and let him go, right? Unwrap him and let him go. So, so the story uh, goes to the tomb, uh, roll away the stone, Martha's like, nope, he stinks, he's like, I'm doing it anyway, and then he, Lazarus, come out, and what comes out of the tomb? Is it a man walking? Not exactly. It's a man kind of maybe shuffling, walk. Has anybody done the, 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 the thing where you ever try to tie your knees together and run? Uh, I, I was a mean youth pastor, and we played, uh, we, we played uh, football a lot in, in a youth group. And so I always tried to find ways. We played girls versus guys. And, and I, in different quarters, I would do different mean things to the boys, like make them only play with one hand. Or one time I taped their legs at the thighs, and they had to run like this. Um, it was awesome. So if, if you could imagine being wrapped up entirely. So Jesus has come out, and I imagine something kind of like, I mean, there's not a lot of movement here. He can't take anything off himself. Dude is totally wrapped up. So what does Jesus have to say then to the crowd? Now, they have just witnessed somebody that was dead come to life, and dude is about to die again because he can't breathe. Jesus actually has to tell him, hello, he's alive, take that stuff off. 
take that stuff off. And, and the words he used, I think, are huge because Jesus says, unwrap him. And he says, this, he says, let him go. Why does that word matter? Because isn't that what we're all called to do? Jesus' last words to his disciples is going to be, go. Go and make disciples. Go and make a difference. And what I'm saying to you this morning is, dude, you can't go and make disciples. You can't go and make a difference if you are wrapped up in your old ways of life. You can't. You cannot go make disciples. You can't go make a difference if you're still stuck in the grave clothes. At some point, you've got to tear those things off. I think that's what the author of Hebrews has in mind when he's writing Hebrews chapter 12. He writes this. He says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Right? So listen, he, he's not just talking about sin. Definitely sin, right? Definitely. Right? The sin that, that so easily surrounds or ensnares us. But it says, let us lay aside. The NIV, I, I, I like better, actually says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Friends, there are some things in your life that are hindering you from running the race that God intends for you to run. And they're not necessarily sinful. Man, some of you are just too busy. You hear that whole phrase, well, if you're, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. Well, we're, all, we're too busy. Look at our lives. Man, look, look at how much we complicate them. We're, we're obsessed with the news of the world. We're, we're caught up in how much is in our retirement or in our 401k or, or when we're going to, like, like our, our whole lives are focused on things that are not that important. Right? And, and so what happens, man, is, is listen, you have the power of Christ in you. The very same power that shook the earth upon the resurrection. The very same power that took, uh, listen, 12 cowards and turned them into conquerors for the kingdom. That same power is in us. It's in you. You have that power. To, like when you read the Bible and you go, man, man, these great men and women of faith, guess what? You're meant to be a great man or woman of faith. But to make a difference, you've got to throw off those grave clothes. And I would take it a step further. Listen, not only does God not want you dead, not only does he not want you disabled, but when you read the rest of the story of Lazarus, what you find out is God's goal for you is actually that you would be dangerous, right? Not that you'd be dead, not that you'd be disabled, but that you'd be dangerous. Here's how his story ends in John chapter 12. It says, Then a large crowd of Jews learned that he was there. Uh, it says, They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one that he has raised from the dead. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also because, get that this is huge, he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. Lazarus was the reason. I don't know about you. That's the kind of life I want to live. I, I want to I live the kind of life that, that, that people look at me and go, that dude's been changed. That, that has to be the work of God. And they want Jesus because of the change they see in me. That should be the aim. God doesn't want you dead. He, he really doesn't want you to save. He didn't bring you to life so you could just be stuck in the grave clothes. Right? He wants you to be dangerous. He wants you to throw those things off and run the race He has set before 
you. So what do we do with that? Three things, uh, homework-wise, and I will let you go. Number one, uh, this text challenges us to trust Jesus for today and tomorrow. To trust Jesus for today and tomorrow. If I trust Him with heaven, I must trust Him with the here and the now, right? Okay, so that's the first step. Number two, number two, this text challenges us to throw off those grave clothes. So I would just ask you, what are they? What are they? Hebrews 12 says it's the sin that so skillfully surrounds, but it's also things that hinder you. So you need to write yourself a little question in your sermon notes. What is hindering me? Right? What, what, are, my, what are my grave clothes? Maybe, uh, it, may, maybe, maybe you feel like you're running pretty well, but you're one of those people that you still can't tell anybody about Jesus. What does that mean? That means you hadn't taken off the face cloth yet. But you don't trust Jesus to give you words? He gave, he gave the apostles words even as they stood before judges that were going to kill them. He gave them words. He, he actually promises he'll put words in your mouth. So that shouldn't be an excuse. So what, 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 what do you need to take off? Right? Is it your hands? Are your hands still bound? Are you one of those people that uh, you've been saved but you're not serving? Right? I mean, I mean, listen, church looks different. We still got some places you can serve. Find a place to jump in, right? It, 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 literally, just think through, man, what, what is it in my life that is keeping me from doing what God wants me to do? And you need to pray about that. And then lastly, once we've done that, we've thrown those things off, we need to run the race that is set before us. Uh, run, don't walk. Run, don't walk. You know, uh, we have made it kind of a, a, a thing. We always say that, you know, the Christian life is a marathon, it's not a sprint. I think we say that because we're tired. Right? I, I really do. But I, I never read the Apostle Paul. Uh, I mean, he, tell, he, he tells me to, to walk in the Spirit, right? But when he's talking about the race set before him, that dude's always running. He's always running. And, and, and so I, I realize I don't, I don't like to run. Maybe you're like me, you don't like to run. Uh, and may, maybe, you know, I mean, the thing about running, the beauty of it when you're trying to start is, is you, you, sometimes you just have to do a little bit of time. So just, just run, run, run until you, you're out of breath. Catch your breath, walk a little while, and then run some more. But it's meant, it's meant to be running. That's the race. It's meant to be run. And so I, I, would, I would challenge you to do that, okay? Uh, guys, I, I hope that story speaks to you. I, I love the story of Lazarus. It is, uh, it, it's one of my absolute favorites in the Bible. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, probably the best-known resurrection story, as you can imagine, on Easter Sunday. Uh, that's where we'll be. And then, like I said, the week after is I'll share with you guys kind of all the reasoning of why we've had the whole series. So, uh, because there's one other resurrection story that I don't think you've probably caught on to yet in the Bible. So, uh, I will leave it there. Let me pray for us real quick. We have a couple important announcements about Easter. So, hang, hang in there with us. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to gather. Uh, God, we, we're so thankful for your word. So thankful for your word. I am thankful that you are a God that um, doesn't leave us dead in our sins. But you, you, you literally have come to earth. Uh, Jesus, you've come to earth and lived a life that we couldn't. You've died in our place so that we could be brought to life. And, and, and then not only do you bring us to life, but then you, you have this desire for us to be dangerous. We, you, you call us continually to throw off all the things that don't matter so we can pursue you. God, I pray that everyone here, everyone listening, would have a, have a, catch a glimpse of who they can be in you this week. That's my hope. That's my prayer. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.